This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Who is your best friend? Is it a relative, maybe a high school buddy, perhaps a neighbor or a church friend? Well, my best friend is Forrest. This August, I am amazed to say that we celebrated 50 years of marriage. The years have flown by so fast, but I still look forward every evening to when he comes home. We have what has become almost a ritual. We eat dinner together, we watch the news, though every now and then lately we've been turning it off, and then compare notes about our day. These times of intimate conversation are very meaningful to our relationship, and I love them. As I was preparing this sermon, it struck me that if intimate conversation is important with our best friend, how much more important is it to have times of intimate conversation with God? Who is more important to us than our Father who created us, who loves us, provides for us, heals us, protects us? There is no better friend than our Father. It's absolutely staggering to think how much time we spend talking with friends and how little time most of us spend talking with God. In our materialistic, distracting world, I think many of us struggle with prayer. Prayer is so basic, so foundational to being a Christian, it can be quite embarrassing to ask how to pray. That's what was happening here in our gospel reading. I'm sure the disciples gave a sigh of relief when one of them got up the courage to ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, what better question to ask and what better person to teach us about prayer than Jesus, who was always going off to a private place to spend time with his father? Of all the things we think we need to know about God, what could be more important than to actually know him? Lord, teach us to pray. He was good at it. They watched him. Who better to ask? Lord, teach us to pray. As I preach, I think it would be helpful for you to have Luke's prayer in front of you. So I encourage you to take out your bulletin. And while similar to the version found in Matthew, it is less familiar and there are some important distinctions. So please open your program to the gospel. There are four lessons I want to pass on to you today. 
The first is that prayer is simple. So don't be put off. Jesus said to them in verse 2, When you pray, say. No long warm-up exercises, no complex techniques. We often say how hard prayer is. Well, Jesus tells us at heart it is quite simple. Prayer is simple, but that doesn't necessarily mean easy, as we all know. When you pray, say. You do see what the essence of prayer is. Us speaking. Lose that, and you turn prayer into just listening, and you lose touch with a stunning truth. It's a wonder that we have a God who speaks, who reveals himself, who doesn't leave us in the dark, fumbling to find him. But it is just a great wonder that we have a God who listens. Almighty God, bothering to, wanting to, eager to listen to you and me. When you pray, say, it's us speaking. The Bible speaks of all kinds of prayer. Lord, help us to lengthy prayers of confession and thanksgiving or persistently pleading for this or that. When you pray, say, well, okay, so, so what do I say? Well, Jesus tells me. I used to think this was just a pattern prayer, an outline, a structure to base our prayers around. And I think it's likely that it is in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus speaks about prayer there. He says, pray then in this way. In other words, here's an example for you. But this, this seems different. Notice what he says when you pray, say. It's as if he is saying, use these words. Luke is obviously using a very different occasion from Matthew's teaching that he immediately follows the Sermon on the Mount. Here's my point. Don't neglect set prayers, as if only spontaneous, extemporaneous prayers are spiritual. I have a set prayer. I pray every morning, ideally before breakfast, asking the Lord to help me submit my will to his. And our bishop recently sent out a set prayer to all the clergy that we are to pray each day for the diocese, asking that every one of you be anointed with the Holy Spirit. So I'm expecting to see lots more wonderful changes around here. What could be a more wonderful prayer than pray for more of the Holy Spirit? But here's the point. Said prayers can have a real part in our speaking with our Lord. Yes, set prayers can be dead ritual, but they can also be live communication. With set prayers, I'm not to be put off that I need to be articulate or imagine that there's some profound mystery that I haven't mastered. If I pray close attention to every word I speak, 
a set prayer can deeply touch my heart. And I'll know that real communication has occurred. Maybe some of you are like me. You get those tears in your eyes, and you know something has happened. John Knox and John Calvin, the great reformers who knew a thing or two about prayer, both used the Lord's Prayer as a set prayer in their liturgies. And the Lord's Prayer is included in each of our daily offices, from morning prayer through Compline. And in our liturgy of the Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Prayer is placed immediately before the sacred moment when the celebrant breaks the consecrated bread and we come forward for communion. This profound yet simple prayer has been prayed without interruption for 2,000 years. In every moment somewhere on the globe, people are saying these very words, which were once uttered by Christ himself. Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is simple. Here's the second lesson. Prayer is intimate. Jesus continues in verse 2, When you pray, say, Father. Sometimes I worry that we've lost our sense of wonder that we can call God Father. The exquisite Gloria in excelsis so well reminds us of who we are addressing. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Or Isaiah's vision of God's glory filling the temple and the heavenly creatures who cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah's response, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. This is who Jesus tells us to call Father. We are invited to enjoy intimacy with him. Holy and gracious Father, Help us to call upon you fully aware it was in your infinite love that you made us for yourself. I fear we've arrived at the stage when we can mouth the words, but we've become immune to the meaning. Lord, teach us to pray. When you pray, say, Father. Christians are sons and daughters who can enjoy intimacy. Prayer is about talking with our Father. I don't have to stand on ceremony. I don't have to get tongue-tied about using the right language as if every word is going to get marked for its grammar and its, theolo its theology. I don't have to be there wondering if he's too busy or has more important things to do. When you pray say, Father. We're talking with our Father. The fuller version speaks of Father in heaven. That's a great encouragement for those who have had a bad experience of human fathers. 
or who, because of the death or desertion, have little or no experience of fathers. This is Father in heaven, who is infinitely better as a father than the best human father, and I had a good one. He cares and wants you to come to him for help, even though he already knows exactly what you need. Actually, as our Father in heaven, it's a reminder that we have brothers and sisters, too. Last year, I had the opportunity to visit the persecuted church in Palestine. They live in circumstances beyond my experience, and I don't really know exactly how to pray for them. But I only need to begin by saying, Our Father And I'm alongside my brothers and sisters speaking to our Father who knows and cares and understands and who always works for our good. So when speaking to our Father, we don't always need to have all the right words. Prayer is simple. Prayer is intimate. Here's the third lesson. Prayer is humbling. It puts God's agenda first. If you think about it, the wonder of intimacy is that I'm coming into the presence of someone infinitely more important than I. Lord, teach us to pray. Well, what do we pray to such a God? Looking at the prayer in your bulletin, this is what I want you to notice, Notice that Jesus talks in terms of your and our. Your name, your kingdom, our bread, our sins, and our time of trial. Notice what comes first. Your. In our fallen state, we are used to putting ourselves first. That's one reason why prayer can feel unnatural. I come rushing into Father's presence full of my needs and concerns focused on all that the day has in store for me. And Jesus says, put God's agenda first. Hallowed be your name. John Piper writes, there is something unique about the first petition hallowed be your name. In this petition, we hear the one specific subjective response of the human heart that God expects us to give. The hallowing, reverencing, honoring, esteeming, admiring, valuing, treasuring of God's name above all things. He concludes, this first petition, hallowed be your name, is the main point of the Lord's Prayer. And all the other petitions are meant to serve this one. His kingdom comes to hallow his name. We have bread-sustained lives to hallow his name. Sins are forgiven and trials are escaped to hollow his name. All is to be for honoring God's holy name, God's being, God himself, 
above all things. Alexander Schmemann writes, Hallowed be thy name. This is the cry of the one who has seen and recognized God and knows that only in this vision and encounter can he find the fullness of life, full inspiration, and full happiness. So even on a Sunday morning, don't start by praying about what I want to get out of the church service. Hallowed be your name. It's that we pray to give God the honor and respect that his name and his character deserves. When I rejoice in the creator ruler, the faithful redeemer, the father revealed in Jesus Christ, that will show in my listening as well as my singing. It will show in my fellowship as well as my praise. Hallowed be your name. That's good to pray when our mind is full of the office, which I know so many of you come, stressed out about your work environment. Not immediately, Lord. May I be able to cinch that deal or get that promotion, but hallowed be your name. What would hallowing God's name look like in the office? It's good to pray when we think of our city and evangelizing Pittsburgh, pray hallowed be your name in Pittsburgh. It's good to pray when you consider our government and media, your kingdom come, that the rule of Jesus extends to places where he is acknowledged and people live as if he is the Lord. It's a prayer for Jesus' return as global king, simple, intimate, humbling. Prayer puts God's agenda first. To make this abundantly clear, let's repeat this together. Prayer puts God's agenda first. I didn't hear that. Now I'm going to ask one more time. Prayer puts God's agenda first. Thank you. Now here's the fourth lesson. Prayer is dependency. The remainder of the prayer is how we can be best equipped to serve our Father's great purposes. Our prayers can be full of requests. Our Father expects us to be asking for things, even mundane physical things. We need to be healthy, fed, and rested to best serve him. Give us each day our daily bread. That's a wonderful thing to discover that God wants us to pray for our needs. I can talk to Father about all my concerns. From finance, I'm struggling to meet ends meet, Lord. The friends, Father, you know how much I need a holiday. Please give me a friend to go with me on one. Father, give us each day our daily bread. The prayer then moves on from our physical needs to our spiritual needs. Forgive us our sins. This is a disciple's prayer that Jesus expects us to be looking to our Father for forgiveness. We cannot earn the one thing we need most. Forgiveness is a gift of God's grace. 
So Jesus all says, asked for the gift, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us. What is implicit here is made explicit in Matthew 6. Jesus says, if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is not unconditional. We can't expect God to forgive us if we won't forgive others. Jesus says he won't. Refusing to forgive others is frightfully common. It normally comes out of a deep hurt and is very understandable, but it's a very dangerous place to be. If you are struggling with this, talk with one of us so we can see if we can help you. I mean, sometimes forgiving others takes a definite decision. Often I find forgiveness needs repeated commitment. Having made the decision once, there's still that resentment that sneaks back up beneath the surface that I hadn't realized was there. I almost have to pray, forgive me my lack of forgiving others. The physical, the spiritual, and then the moral. And do not bring us to a time of trial. Father, that awkward person in the fellowship group, Help me not to avoid him. We are dependent people, physically, spiritually, and morally. Father, I'm suffering terrible depression and pain from aging. Help me not to consider euthanasia. Independence isn't the measure of human dignity. It's a lie that will remove dignity from all of us. We are dependent creatures. Do you hope to live to old age, like I do? (laughs) Start praying the Lord's Prayer. It prepares us for being a dependent person. We pray because God is real. He is good. And we need him. And we long to know him personally. Lord, teach us to pray simply, intimately, humbly, and dependently. Let's spend more time talking with our Father. Don't let your busy life crowd out precious times of intimacy. Make prayer a priority. Try using Jesus' prayer each day this week, and if you do, I want you to tell me what happens. Using Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, let's now pray together. Please get out your bulletins. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. Amen.